Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, I am so glad that you are here today listening. As you know, we are in the middle of a Firetime Magazine rapid reaction series, which is what we always do in between seasons of the podcast. So for those of you who may not be familiar, every year we run two specific seasons of the podcast. The first season starts the Tuesday after Labor Day, and the second season starts the Tuesday after the HPB Expo, and we run those seasons with with a specific theme. Now, when a season's over, what we do is we spend the weeks listening together to Firetime Magazine audio articles, and then I hit record immediately afterwards and give you my rapid reaction to it. And this is what we do when we're in between seasons, putting together the content for the next season. So this week, I am really excited for you to hear this article. It is written by my dear friend, Matt Bradley, who you have heard on this podcast before and who is actually the voice of the Firetime magazine. And Matt works at the Firetime magazine. He also works with me at Wi-Fire. But prior to that, he was actually an English teacher for a decade. And Matt is a phenomenal writer and an incredible editor for the magazine. And he'd never written until recently when he decided that he wanted to do a series of articles inspired by the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. And you might hear that and think, wait a minute, I thought that this is a a business podcast. And it is. And I'm telling you, these articles are amazing. And so for today's rapid reaction, I want to play you the first part of this series. And there are some incredible, incredible ideas and concepts that he covers. So we'll get to that in just one second. Hey, on last week's podcast, I mentioned that at the upcoming HPB Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, February 13th to 15th, I am going to be part of the keynote address, which I'm super excited about. But at the trade show this year, the HPBA is bringing back an industry award show. And I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag too much, but I'm going to tell you, you do not want to miss this award show. And what's really cool is, in particular, there are four new awards that the industry votes on. Retailer of the Year, Advocate of the Year, Emerging Leader of the Year, and Affiliate of the Year. And if you know somebody who deserves one of these awards, you have got to nominate them for it. And you can do that by just going to the website hpbexpo.com slash awards. That's hpbexpo.com slash awards. And I'll make sure that we link to that in the show notes. But seriously, I have nominated someone for every single one of these awards. I think that you should too. And this is going to be a really, really special night. And that's going to be on February 14th at 5 p.m. in the Carl F. Deal Grand Ballroom of the Music City Center where the trade show is. You can't miss it. But I'm telling you, I'm really excited for this night and you do not want to miss it. Okay, so with that said, I want to jump out of the way so we can listen to our audio article together, and then I will give you my rapid reaction to it. Business Lessons from Benjamin Franklin, Part 1, by Matt Bradley. 
Introduction. Ben Franklin was never the president, but he was almost everything else. I'm one of those people who instantly freezes when someone asks me about my favorite things. If my wife gets invited to a barbecue and lets me come along, and if someone at that barbecue asks me about my favorite hobbies while we're playing cornhole, I stutter and stammer until I eventually sputter out some sort of generic answer, usually hiking, which I realistically do about three times a year. That's why I always love it when people ask me to name my favorite TV show, because I have an instant answer that's always the same. The Office. One of the best episodes of that show involves a joke that unfolds while Michael Scott's talking to a Ben Franklin impersonator. Mr. Franklin, Michael says through a grin. I would say you're probably one of the sexiest presidents ever. I'll leave this line without context, but go back and watch the episode if you want to find out more. Well, the impersonator responds with a smile. Actually, I never was president. In an obvious effort to spare the impersonator's feelings, Michael whispers back, Yes, but Ben Franklin was. As usual, the butt of the joke here is Michael, who holds the common misconception that Benjamin Franklin was once the president. I've always thought this confusion comes from the fact that Franklin's face appears on the $100 bill. But here's the truth, just as the impersonator knew. Ben Franklin was never the president. What strikes me most about this historical fact, though, is that Benjamin Franklin was pretty much everything else. He was a scientist, an inventor, a businessman, a politician, a philanthropist, and a philosopher. Here's a very, very short list of the countless things he accomplished in all those different roles. He discovered that lightning is electricity. He invented the bifocals, the lightning rod, and the Franklin stove. He ran a wildly successful printing business, spearheaded the first public library in the United States, served as the first postmaster general, and helped start the University of Pennsylvania. And last but not least, he negotiated the Treaty of Paris, which ended the Revolutionary War and created the country you're probably sitting in or sitting north of today. Given Franklin's many accomplishments, I thought it would be worthwhile to share some of the things I've learned from his autobiography over the years, especially since this book can help you run a better business. More specifically, Franklin's approach to developing virtue, his insights into shaping perceptions, and his reflections on the common good can all help you succeed personally and professionally. As such, I plan to reflect on Franklin's autobiography in a series of articles this fall, starting with this one, which explores how his approach to developing virtue can help you flourish in business and in life. The List of Virtues Benjamin Franklin was far from perfect. Since he was human, this should come as no surprise. But as our current culture often discounts people from the past for this very reason, it's worth stating up front. It's also worth stating up front that Franklin openly admits that he fell far short of moral perfection in his autobiography. You see, when Franklin was a young man, he temporarily adopted the belief that, quote, vice and virtue were empty distinctions, no such things existing. Today, we would call this view moral relativism, and it's more popular in American culture than ever before. The problem with moral relativism, though, is that when you take it to its logical conclusion or put it into practice, it leads to all sorts of problems, personal, professional, and societal. Franklin learned this lesson the hard way, and his moral relativism got him into all sorts of trouble as a young man, as he clearly recounts throughout his autobiography. As a result, he eventually concluded that arguments in favor of moral relativism were not so clever a performance as he had once thought. After coming to this realization, he strove to straighten out his moral life by making virtuous behavior habitual. His methods for doing so were conceptually simple but practically difficult. He started out by creating a list of 13 virtues that he thought were essential to human flourishing across space, time, and culture. Here's a small sample of these virtues, along with his description of each one. Order. Let all your things have their places. Let each part of your business have its time. Resolution. Resolve to perform what you ought. Perform without fail what you resolve. Frugality. 
Make no expense but to do good to others or yourself, i.e., waste nothing. Industry. Lose no time. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off all unnecessary distractions. Justice. Wrong none by doing injuries or omitting the benefits that are your duty. Although all of Franklin's virtues are compelling and useful, I mention these five because they can clearly help you run a better business. In the book, Franklin directly states that industry and frugality provided him with the easiness of his circumstances and acquisition of his fortune. And that's saying something, especially since he was able to retire from the printing profession in his early 40s. It's also easy to see how the other three virtues listed above, resolution, order, and justice, can help you create a better business. Resolution is essential for achieving any professional goal. Order is required for making the most of each day. And justice is crucial for creating loyal employees and happy customers. The rest of Franklin's list is worth examining as well. Not only because it can help you become an adept business leader, but also because it can help you live a better life. After all, temperance, sincerity, tranquility, and humility are among the other virtues on his list. And who wouldn't benefit by routinely putting those into practice? But here's the rub. Even if you intellectually agree with Franklin that being more virtuous could benefit your business and better your life, it's still practically difficult to do. So how can you make virtuous behavior initially possible and eventually effortless? What's the game plan? Where's the formula? If you're currently asking questions like these, or if you've ever asked them before, then you're in luck, because Franklin's got some great answers. The Art of Virtue It's no secret that knowing we should do something and actually doing it are two very different things. This principle certainly applies to the moral life, and that's something Franklin fully understood. You see, after he came up with a list of 13 virtues, he tried to live all of them out each second of every day. I wish to live without committing any fault at any time, he says in the autobiography. As I knew or thought I knew what was right and wrong, I did not see why I might not always do the one and avoid the other. As you might imagine, this task turned out to be more difficult than the young Franklin anticipated. While my care was employed in guarding against one fault, he laments, I was often surprised by another. Habit took the advantage of inattention. Inclination was sometimes too strong for reason. At length, Franklin concluded that the mere speculative conviction that it was in our best interest to be completely virtuous was not sufficient to prevent our slipping, and that contrary habits must be broken and good ones acquired and established before we can have any dependence on steady, uniform rectitude of conduct. In other words, Franklin discovered that developing virtuous habits requires intentional practice and regular reflection. As such, he developed a detailed plan that he called the Art of Virtue. At the heart of Franklin's plan was a simple chart. In each row of the chart, he listed out one of the 13 virtues. In each column, he listed out one day of the week. Each week, he focused on one virtue at a time. Each evening, he reflected on whether he had upheld or offended the virtue throughout the day. If he had offended it, he would place a small spot in the appropriate column and row. But whenever he managed to make it to the end of the week without any spots on his chart, then, and only then, would he move on to the next virtue. So during the first week of his plan, he might only focus on upholding temperance at all times. And if he made it to the end of the week without offending this virtue at all, then he would move on to the next week, where he would focus on both temperance and resolution, and so on week by week. Of course, carrying out Franklin's plan takes time and energy, two things you're probably short on this burn season. As a result, it's tempting to think that the art of virtue is too impractical or idealistic to be of any use. But nothing could be further from the truth. On the contrary, Franklin's plan is incredibly practical, if only because it's incremental and inspirational. For starters, Franklin's plan is incremental. This means that you don't need to focus on all 13 virtues at once. 
Instead, you can just pick two or three that you'd like to develop, focus on one per week, set aside five minutes of reflection each night, and grow in virtue at your own pace. More importantly, Franklin's plan is inspirational. In other words, it's an effective way to spark positive change in those you manage and serve. We all know that negative behaviors spread like wildfire within business, but the good news is that the reverse is also true. So if your team members see you making a sincere effort to practice order, resolution, and industry, the odds are pretty good that they'll pick up those virtues too. And even if they don't, your own virtuous behavior will still move the needle in your life, your business, and your community, making the endeavor worth every ounce of effort. If you need proof that's true, just look again at the list of Franklin's accomplishments. He discovered that lightning is electricity. He invented the bifocals, the lightning rod, and the Franklin stove. He ran a wildly successful printing business, spearheaded the first public library in the United States, served as the first postmaster general, and helped start the University of Pennsylvania. And, last but not least, he negotiated the Treaty of Paris, which ended the Revolutionary War and created the country you're probably sitting in or sitting north of today. That's an amazing list of accomplishments, especially when you consider that Franklin attributed virtually all of them to the little artifice that he called the art of virtue. And even though he fell far short of the moral perfection he sought, Franklin always insisted that he was a better and happier man than he would have been had he never tried. So here's a final question to contemplate. What could you accomplish if you put his art of virtue into practice? Conclusion. The Competitive Edge of Virtue Our culture can suggest, or scream, all at once the great authors of the past have nothing to teach us about being a better person or running a successful business. But here's the hard truth. Old books often contain the very best ideas. Such is the case with the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. In a culture that's collapsing under the weight of its own moral relativism and material convenience, Franklin's life and work remind us that true prosperity comes from practicing traditional virtues, which take time and discipline to develop. In a world full of people who are happy to take shady shortcuts to achieve their desired ends, you and your team can stand out by clearly identifying and deliberately practicing virtue. If you do that, you'll have the competitive edge over countless other companies, and you'll also lead a better life. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that article by Matt Bradley. Man, I think it is phenomenal. And that came out in the October 2023 issue of the Firetime Magazine. And in October, November, and December, he completes this three-part series. And each one is phenomenal. And there's very different angles taken in each article. But in this first one here, talking about the idea of virtue and how Ben Franklin believed that his attempt to attain virtue was the catalyst for his success. That, that's an amazing, amazing idea. And it's something that I think is very much lost on our culture today. You know, if, if you look at the major party politicians that we elect, these are not people that are known for their virtue, at least generally speaking. I mean, maybe there's someone I don't know of, but these are not people that are known for their virtue. They're known for their shrewdness or their ability to rally support or, you know, what have you, but they're not known for their virtue. And when we look at the state of things, you know, particularly in the United States of America, I ask the question, is it any wonder that we are where we are when there's not a shared concept of virtue? Now, that's a, you know, different conversation for a different day, but in the case of your business, Making a commitment to try to attain virtue will absolutely grow you and your team in this new year. You know, I mean, 
I think that everybody has worked for a bad boss, right? A boss that was not self-aware. Someone who was rude, someone who was angry, someone who was incompetent and was not interested in any way to get better. Well, in order for us to try to become virtuous, the first thing that we have to do is we have to get to know ourselves. And you'll notice in the article, Matt talked about how Franklin would reflect every day. And and this is something for us, like if we want to grow, it, it takes reflection. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how experience means nothing, but evaluated experience is everything. And, and that's exactly the concept that's going on here. You know, as I'm recording this right now, I'm staring on my wall right at the core values of our company. And this is something that on a regular basis, we try to reflect on and ask the question, where have we failed to attain these? Or where have we stepped up and and we're living in harmony with these core values and representing them? And that reflection has done so much for our company. And, And, you know, Again, people sometimes think like, well, core values, those are nice to haves, you know, they look good on the truck, they make a cute acronym and no, that's not what they are. If that's what your core values are, you have bad core values. You know, core values are hardcore business. This is how we behave. It's how we choose to get things done and how we hold ourselves accountable. And it's amazing how when a company lives into that, it actually sets a higher standard that rallies people to the cause. But this also comes into play individually. Matt talked about how toxic behavior spreads like wildfire. And, and we know this. I mean, if, if you have a boss that talks poorly about customers behind their back, you will have a company that talks poorly about customers and likely other team members behind their back. Because that is the example that's set and that is the behavior that's accepted. But as Matt said in the article, the reverse is also true. Good and virtuous behavior also starts to spread like wildfire when it is done again and again and again. If as a boss or an owner or a leader, if you are generous and kind and empathetic to your team, your team will start to be generous and kind and empathetic to the people around them. And this takes a personal commitment. You know, for me, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot in this new year is the virtue of patience, in particular with my kids and with my wife and with my family. Like, I want to be someone who is so patient. You know, I think about that that scripture verse, love is patient, love is kind, right? If you're not patient, you're not loving, period, right? And, and, and for me, that's something that I want to continue to grow in. But in order for me to do that, I've got to reflect on it. I got to think throughout the day about the situations that I'm in and the way that I'm conducting myself. And I think that the the call here with this article is to say that if we want to run a great company, it starts with us. We have to be a great person to work for. And that means that we need to strive for virtue. And this is the thing, you know, Matt talked about how society in the West right now lives in moral relativism and it's pervasive. And one of the things that's amazing is that when you stand up for virtue, you actually establish a solid base to stand on. And a lot of our society has has no basis to stand on because 
they think everything is a social construct and everything is a power play. And when you can be someone who is kind and genuine and who stands up for virtues that help the people around you and bless your customers, it will rally people to the cause. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, those of us who are wise should really take heed to what Matt is saying in this article and, you know, Ben Franklin before him, that a virtuous life is one that will lead to success. I really believe that. Now, that success may or may not be monetary, but I'm convinced that a virtuous life does lead to success. But it's not instantaneous. It's not overnight. And this is something that takes commitment day after day after day. And it takes humility to be able to get back up and try again after failing, maybe in front of, of other people. You know, it doesn't happen instant instantaneously. It's long obedience in the same direction, as Eugene Peterson says. But I think that there's a lot here. For those of us who want to grow in the new year as a company, do you have core values? If you do, are they actually tangible or are they just fluff that no one in the company knows? How about for you in your personal life? Do you have a set of virtues that you're trying to attain and that you're trying to spread in your company? Because if you can do that, amazing things are going to follow. Well, hey, I hope you guys got a ton of value out of that episode. Like I said, I think that there is a ton in that audio article. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the Firetime Magazine, you need to do that right now. You can go to the website, itsfiretime.com slash subscribe. Just enter your email address and every single month when a new issue of the digital magazine drops, it'll go straight to your inbox. Well, hey, that's all that we have for today. I'm super excited for the upcoming Firetime Magazine rapid reaction episodes that we have in the coming weeks. There is so much good stuff here, and I'm just thankful that you're listening and are a part of this journey. So I'm going to step out of the way. Until next time, I hope you have an amazing Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. All in to burn.